The best, the brightest, from the Statue of Liberty to the Golden Gate Bridge, from the Blackfoot River to the Rio Grande, and everywhere in between. These men and women have made it their mission to support small business owners across America. They are sales managers, business development officers, processors, packagers, underwriters, chief credit officers, and executives. Better known as SBA Titans, and this is where they tell their stories. Now here's your host, Ryan Smith, principal and founder of Think SBA. Hello and welcome to the SBA Titan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, principal and founder of Think SBA. The SBA Titan podcast exists to promote the best and brightest people inside the world of SBA financing. We have with us here today, the one and only Mary Adams with TMC Financing. She's been in banking for 30 years, 10 years specializing in SBA 504 loan program, working for a local San Diego certified development company. And what I'd like to do next is say, Mary, welcome, and please give uh, just a brief introduction of what you're doing right now. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, I work uh, primarily with local business owners to help them finance and acquire their uh, owner-occupied property. Uh, using the SBA 504 loan program. Awesome. So there's a joke in banking that no one really desires to get into banking when they're young. We all kind of fall into it. So if you could, Mary, give uh, the audience just a little bit of a background on how you got into banking. And then specifically, how did you get into SBA 504 financing? Absolutely. So weirdly, uh, because my dad was in banking, I my highest aspiration as a child was to be a bank teller. I thought that was the coolest job in the world. I used to love to go. My, my dad matched my, you know, 50 cent allowance. And I used to love to go make those deposits. And then lo and behold, when I was in college, I actually did become a bank teller. And I think I spent the entire time behind the teller lines telling people I was in college and this isn't my final career aspiration. <laughs> Realized it wasn't, it was a hard job. Uh, I never balanced. I was the worst person at balancing and I kept everybody late every single day. So it wasn't my forte. But what I, I did come to find that I love to do is work with commercial real estate. And in particular, working with business owners, um, which is so rewarding because this isn't, it's not an investment to them. It's really a lot of times a one-time purchase. And it, you know, it's their nest egg, it's their business's home, and it's their way of, you know, building wealth and retirement and stabilizing overhead costs. There's so much benefit to it. It's not just another investment. So it's very, very rewarding. Got it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And give us a little bit of the segue between your banking career and transitioning into SBA 504 financing. Yeah, that's a great question. So I was working for a large national bank and I was a, um, junior business development officer. And because I always um, actually really liked real estate, I found myself on every transaction, I would ask the question, you know, are you, are you planning to move? Are you outgrowing your space? What kind of space are you looking for? And I really found that a lot of business owners um, either hadn't thought about it, and it was a great opening to a conversation about how their business was growing, or they were actually in the process of shopping for property and so that was kind of, um, it's, it's kind of how I found that I was interested in the 504 loan program. At that time, there was a liaison at that bank who did the 504 loans. 
And I, I just thought that program was such a benefit to people that I found that that was all I was doing. And uh, later on in my career, on my next move, they offered me the position in San Diego to be the SBA uh, loan officer for that. Got it. So you were a loan officer with the bank first or that's I what was. you were Yeah, I did SBA lending for a large national bank uh, for several years. And then um, I, I actually retired to stay home with my children mm-hmm. and I made it about a year. Um, I painted the entire interior of my house. I don't sit still well. I got my real estate license and like you, I actually brokered loans for nine years. So I had my own company and then transitioned into working for a CDC 10 years ago. Tell us about that. Tell us about going from a private business, the bank, to a CDC. How was that transition? And then what I want you to talk about is how you've trained up almost every young real estate professional (laughs) in San Diego, because I know that is your secret sauce to winning new business. Yeah, so making that transition to a CDC, SBA loan officer at a bank, a CDC has to be involved in every 504 transaction. So I found myself working in partnership with a CDC, and I always thought, wow, that would be a great job someday, but I uh, didn't live nearby, and I thought that would be a problem. So um, it was something I kind of always aspired to, and then as things kind of changed uh, in my career and I decided to go back to um, an organization again, I had that opportunity to work for CDC and they set up an office for me locally so that I didn't have to travel and commute. It's a huge change. It's a cultural change. What I learned about it is that the SBA does a lot more than what banks uh, tend to offer. You know, you work for a large bank and they have a very small credit box. And when you go and work basically for CDC representing the SBA, you really get to see all the amazing things that SBA can do that maybe that particular bank doesn't offer. Got it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I remember when I was a young loan officer with U.S. Bank and I would find opportunities for SBA 504 financing. And it always seemed that the rules and the regulations got in the way. And so now that I'm on the other side of that, I've been specializing in SBA financing for several years. I'm kind of the one who uh, I would say talks people off the ledge, has to share some uh, very specific guidance to them. Tell us a little bit about SBA 504 financing. So for example, I'm a business owner. I want to buy the building uh, either that I currently operate from or another building. Tell me something that you think I should know before I even begin the process as it relates to 504 financing. Oh my gosh, there's so much. I, I kind of have a, a little um, standard spiel, I guess, when I talk to people. Give it to about us. I've been doing this a long time. Important things are, you know, that it's a 10% down program, um, that there are personal guarantees uh, required. You know, the SBA really sees this loan program as a um, something that benefits the business. And so if you take it all from that perspective, everything they do, every rule they have, really is about making sure that this loan benefits the business, not necessarily individual investors or uh, franchisor, you know, or, or anything like that. It's all about the benefit to the business. And so from that perspective, when you take a look at it that way, you can really kind of understand the different rules. It's a complicated program. I, I, I think one time we put it up on a board, you know, around the office, during one of our meetings and it, it, the process covered the entire conference room. And so you really need somebody, you know, like us 
that understand the program, that know this hundreds of pages of rules, that can interpret those rules, help the business owner kind of maneuver through the process and make sure everything meets SBA guidelines. As you know, a lot of SBA is gray. You know, they, they say something in the rules, but what they do in practice is actually a little different. So, you know, the, the role is critical. But what I would tell people is it's the it's the best kept secret. Honestly, it's it's a 40-something-year-old, 50-year-old program probably at this time. And so many business owners don't know it's available to them. You know, all, all you have to do is have a business that's been in business. You, you can do a startup, um, but typically they like to see two years in business. And um, you have to occupy 51% or more of the space. And if you can meet those guidelines, everything else kind of can fall into place from there. There's a, a question I have uh, because people are now on the internet, they're Googling certain things. And I'm sure you get this like I do where people call you and they'll say certain things to you and try to educate you on 504 financing. What's the biggest myth uh, with the 504 loan program that you hear from borrowers when they try to educate you? Yeah. Every time I talk to people, they think that there's a lien on their house for the, with the 504 program. Mm. And I think that misperception comes from um, a different SBA loan program where there is a lien on the house. The 504 is a completely separate standalone loan program that is uh, solely really for commercial real estate and very, very large equipment, printing, printing press or you know, something that's $500,002 million in cost uh, with a long estimated useful life. So these are fixed asset loans. And because they have value and a length of time of having value, the lien is only on the commercial real estate or the heavy equipment that's being purchased. There is no lien on a house. So I think there's another myth too, actually, that people think SBA lending is very, very complicated. And I guess I, I'm, I'm contradicting myself here because I did say there's lots of rules, but it, it's like applying for a bank loan. The paperwork is the same. It's really not um, a different process. And, Everything flows very nicely once we get the loan going and we kind of have everything set up and ready to go. We can close these loans very, very quickly. So I think a lot of people think it, it takes a long time, like months and months, and it does not do that. It's, it can be done 45 days from start to finish. Yeah, you're right. It is complicated, but not when they're working with someone like you who do, does this every single day because you know the process, you know what to ask for, you know how to get directly to the point to make the process more palatable and like you said, streamlined. I have a question. Talk about the most interesting loan you funded because I know you've worked with hundreds if not thousands of business owners in your career. Talk about a particular loan that you funded that comes to mind even now. Yeah, it was actually one of the first loans that I did when I, when I very first started with the CDC. And I had a borrower, it was right after the financial recession and he leased his space. He had a lease with an option to purchase and he put in uh, $600,000 worth of heavy equipment, a big oven. He, he was a, a manufacturer of airplane parts actually. And, um, and, and so he had done a lot of improvements to the property with the anticipation of purchasing that property. And then the financial recession hit and he was impacted. So the cash flow wasn't where it had been before and prices, you know, were, were, it was just difficult for him to come up with the capital for the purchase. And he had kind of gone around town and tried to, you know, find a loan and, and not been successful at that. 
And one of my real estate brokerage connections asked me to talk to him. And when I walked through, I could tell it just it, heart and soul. He needed to stay in this property. He had put so much into it. Moving that equipment was not going to happen. It was huge, huge equipment. It would have cost him a fortune to move. Um, and the seller was, you know, was out of patience and was going to list the property for sale. So he was at risk of having to lose his location. And I took a look at it and we did some projections um, and he was able to have some contracts that he had been negotiating forwarded to us. And um, we, we made a case for it. And uh, what we did is actually use the equipment and, and TIs that he had done within the past three years from that time that he was executing um, as his down payment because he didn't have the down payment. So he needed, and, and that's an allowable thing to do with SBA. If you're purchasing under certain circumstances, under a lease option situation, if you did improvements after signing the lease, those can be used towards your down payment. So we did that and we were able to make a case. Actually, SBA initially declined it and he wrote a letter to them explaining his situation and we advocated for him and he owns that building now in Carlsbad, California. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So he's been able to build equity and wealth. And that's something that's not really talked about is that individual business owners, when they buy their building, they're they're literally building equity in real estate that they don't live in. A lot of people think of their primary residence as their primary real estate investment. But this is a true real estate investment in terms of the fact that the business can operate within the real estate. And then when the owner is ready to exit the business in the far future, whether they retire, sell the business, then they can determine what they want to do with that building. Uh, so that's a great story. So Mary, if I'm a business owner, I want to buy an industrial building. Let's say the purchase price is $20 million. Will 504 financing be able to accommodate me? Absolutely. A hundred percent. So um, or not at 100%, at 90%. <laughs> yeah, so the largest project I've done is $21 million. It was a hotel. And what happens in those cases is that um, the first trustee lender, there's two loans uh, on the 504 program. So there's a first trustee lender in, in the form of a bank or a non-bank lender. And they would just do a higher loan amount, a higher project percentage. And the SBA would allow... $5 million as the maximum loan amount on the SBA portion of the loan up to the 90% LTV. Or in the case of a hotel or special purpose property, it's 85% LTV. But yeah, no, there's really no uh, dollar limit on the size of an SBA project. You can you can do any, any size. And probably the largest I've seen a CDC do is between $25 and $30 million. Got Explain that for people who aren't familiar with, for example, the SBA aggregate borrowing limit. So when you say the bank will finance more, what you're really saying is that conventional piece isn't going to count against the SBA aggregate limit, right? That's correct. Yeah. Only SBA guaranteed debt counts towards the limit. So on the 504, it's the SBA portion of the loan that counts. The SBA limit overall per project is $5 million. And, and overall, it's $5 million, but you can um, get around that by using a green program, 
um, which if you're adding solar or you're generating power in some other way, you know, here in California, we would do solar, but maybe in the other parts of the country, you know, where, where it's not as sunny, maybe wind or something like that to generate power. And then if you can generate 10% of your own electricity or power, then that is, uh, that's one of the guidelines that SBA will allow you to go five and a half million per project. Also, if you're a manufacturer, so automatically, if you're a manufacturer, you get five and a half million as a cap per project. For an aggregate total, they like to say 16 million 500, and it's typically about five loans. Okay. So if, if I'm a manufacturer, what you're saying is that is automatically applied and I can do essentially, did you say five loans gets me to that 16 and a half million? But typically that's the max, you know, so max exposure at any one time. So it might be five and a half million per project, but maybe a couple of years has gone by and you've paid down that loan. We really look at what is owed at the time, not, you know, the, the original loan amount. And what am I doing? Uh, you alluded to it. You said if you're generating at least 10 percent of your own energy, explain to someone like me who doesn't necessarily understand what that means. How does that practically weigh into the. Uh, electrical production of the building itself. Yeah. So let's say you're buying uh, a facility that, uh, that you've been operating out of. Just we'll, we'll keep it simple. Um, and you, so you have 12 months worth of power bills uh, for what, what electricity you use each month. What SBA would want you to do is an energy study, basically. But you're going to take those, those 12 months of um, electric bills. You're going to present them to uh, solar power company, the installation company, and tell them I need to generate at least 10% of my own electricity. And what they'll do is provide you with a bid that, you know, basically shows you the cost of the installation for generating at least 10% of your own electricity. And then you would include that in the total project. So let's say you're buying this building for a million dollars and the solar is going to cost two hundred thousand dollars what we would do is say that's a 1.2 million dollar project it includes the solar for the green program and then we would basically lend 90 percent of that 1.2 million so you're getting financing 25-year fixed rate financing at low interest rates on not only your building but your solar installation and then that would then qualify you for the energy study and SBA would allow you to go over your $5 million cap on that purchase. Wonderful. So for example, let's say I just bought a business for $5 million. And then two years later, I see a building that I want to buy. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I've already hit that $5 million cap. Right. I'm wrong, right? I can still buy the building, use the green program, and now increase that $5 million aggregate limit for the purchase of real estate, correct? Exactly. That is correct. And that can be done multiple times. So if you're a business that has more than one location or you operate in one more than one area in the country, you can you can repeatedly use that. Got it. So let's talk about business owners who own their real estate and maybe they applied in 2019 or 20 and they received, let's call it a real estate loan from the other SBA program. And right now, they have a high quarterly adjustable interest rate. The SBA has, is now allowing that other program, right, to be refinanced yeah. by the 504. So if you can explain how the SBA 504 can now be used to refinance other types of debt to get to what you said is that 25-year fixed financing. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you're right, Ryan. Right now, 
you know, when business owners took out those 7A loans, I'm sorry, the other SBA program, um, you know, they're typically prime plus something. So, you know, we we're seeing them as high as prime plus two with prime at eight and a quarter right now. You know, you're talking about people who took out these loans at 3%. They're now at 10 and a quarter percent. That's unwieldy for most businesses to deal with that, you know, huge increase in overhead. And so SBA did allow for the, this is a, this is new um, and it's very exciting. They did allow the 7A loans to be refinanced into 504 loans. And the benefit of that is that 504, like right now, is 6.57% fixed for 25 years instead of being adjustable based on prime. So it, it's a huge cost savings for, for borrowers. Um, and we're doing a lot of this type of business. There are some um, some hurdles to clear, but most people, uh, if they're paying 10 and a quarter percent, we can show that they're saving money, which is you know one of the, the main checkpoints that SBA is looking at to qualify people. What else is uh, kind of the, the devil's in the details? What else could prohibit the 7A from being uh, refinanced by the 504. I've had people that I know who have said, Ryan, and I'm speaking primarily of first deed of trust lenders. They would say, Ryan, I've tried to do the 504 refi. I always get stuck on a snag. I don't even go there anymore. That hasn't been my experience. I've done uh, several of them now, but talk about maybe some other uh, issues that lie below the surface, like use of proceeds, other uh, other areas where people can get stuck. Right. So one of the requirements is that 85% of the funds that uh, were borrowed have to be for the commercial real estate. So one of the really nice things about the 7A loan is that when you're buying real estate, if you're also buying a company and there's goodwill and and different uh, not or, or even accounts receivable or little inventory equipment, small equipment, those things can be rolled into the 7A a lot of the those uh, items are not eligible for 504 because if you remember 504 is primarily for fixed assets real estate and so one of the requirements is that we look at the original use of proceeds and it has to 85% has to have been used for the commercial real estate purchase so that is something that trips things up something else that trips things up is you know the last six months of payments have to be on time there can't be any pending modifications so what we see sometimes is um, where there's a modification that's been pending and people want to refinance out, but it, it can't, that can't be done that way. And then, um, you know, and everything has to be current for at least six months. So we have to show, you know, monthly payment history and show that it's current. And, and one of the last things that really seems to be a big trip up uh, for people is the original bank that issued the loan has to write a letter saying that they're unwilling to provide a refinance or, or, be, or better terms than what they're currently at, that they, that they won't rewrite the loan at market terms comparable to the 504. A lot of times when people go back to their bank and ask for that letter, the bank will modify it, maybe not to the level that would be as beneficial as the 504, but close enough that it kind of knocks it out for being um, eligible. So that, that's something I always have banks do right up front when I get a call about a debt refi. As I say, for the first thing you need to do is check with their existing lender and see if they'll write you a letter. Got it. Thank you for sharing that. So business owners, if you're hearing this and you're thinking about a 504, what I'm hearing is the best thing you can do is make a beeline for Mary Adams because she's <laughs> going to tell you whether or not, and this is the biggest word that I learned early on, if you're eligible Credit is separate from eligibility, and Mary's going to know if you're eligible because even if your credit 
qualified, that doesn't mean you necessarily are eligible. But Mary's the expert and she's going to know about that. One of the things that I want to hear about is how has the SBA 504 program changed from when you were with a bank and then early on in your career with the CDC up until now? Because I know within the last uh, you know, 10, 15 years, there have been a lot of changes. And let's talk about software, platform, deal flow. Uh, were you ever a part of that where you were receiving only paper packages? I hear, <laughs> I hear uh, horror stories from people that have been in SBA financing for 30 years. And, and they're like, you know, Ryan, this is easy these days. Everything's flowing digitally. Talk to us about where you were when you got started. What was it like and how has it changed uh, for the better? And if there's anything that you think that has changed for the worse, tell us that too. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, well, you took me back there. I remember showing up at my uh, office at the bank I worked for to, you know, stacks of loan files that I would have to sift through with my calculator. And, and then I would take a paper copy actually to the CDC uh, to partner with me. You know, I drive it down uh, to, to downtown San Diego. So yeah, things have changed a lot. Everything is digital now. Everything's done um, online. All of the you know tax returns we get are PDFs. And in fact, there are some, not very many, but a few old school business owners out there who, who will call me and say, you know, can I drive over my package? <laughs> I say no, because I have to scan it. Uh, I don't have, I don't even have a good scanner anymore. So um, yeah, those, uh, the things have really changed a lot and it is way more streamlined way easier for people to apply we have a you know a, a link on our website you can click here and apply and fill out some paperwork and and it, you know, kind of trigger somebody to reach out to you there's a lot of information i think um, sba has also updated you know their software we submit loans electronically we don't you know we don't send a paper file up to them anymore which is you know it's amazing things happen you know in, in minutes we do DocuSign for a lot of our paperwork which uh, actually before the pandemic really wasn't prevalent in sba lending still but they uh, they were forced to step up and and you know join the twenty what are we twenty first century still or <laughs> um, you know they had to uh, they really had to you know update everything so those things are great SBA has has kind of gone there was a time that they were really really easy and CDCs actually did loans internally that's called PCLP they approved loans themselves without submitting loans to the government. For review and then the government audits cdc so it would everything would be checked on an audit basis then the great recession hit and in the cases where we uh, cdc's were doing loans internally on their own pclp they were responsible for a much greater share of the burden so now all the cdc switched back to doing things different back in the old days where we would submit loans to SBA. Thankfully, SBA is really fast right now. They're like three business days turnaround time. They have a mission at this point in time to really try to be more accommodating and get things done more quickly. During COVID coronavirus period, they were running 30 business days to approve a loan and it, it just was unacceptable. So they've really listened and changed and things are really running smoothly. There were a lot of onerous rules that SBA has recently done away with, which is wonderful. Uh, there used to be a personal resource test where if you had a certain amount of personal liquid assets, 
you couldn't qualify. They've really reduced the focus on that. They don't have a hard and fast rule anymore. Um, it's more of a discussion if people are, are very well off, you know, and they don't really need the program. Then we discuss it as to what their plans are and maybe why it still makes sense for them. From the perspective of uh, something called affiliation, which is a big buzzword in SBA lending, when um, a lot of business owners are very dynamic, they have a lot of different interests and a lot of different entities that they own or are involved in. And it used to be until about a month ago that if you um, had ownership in another business, that business was considered an affiliate and they would have to guarantee. And there were all these rules around that and a lot of financial analysis required, a lot of minutiae of paperwork that had to be produced by the borrowers. And, and that just recently went away. So that's super exciting because now the rule is if you have 50% or more in a, in, a, in, in a business that has in the same NAICS code, so it has to be the same industry, then we have to dig into it. But if you own a business, you're a business owner, you own 60% of an ice cream shop, but you manufacture widgets and the manufacturing company is the one that's going to be our applicant, we don't need the financials on the ice cream store, which is wonderful. Got it. So we know that Mary knows her stuff. She's already showed that, but I'd like to pivot now a little bit to uh, what I would call more of the soft skills that I can tell you personally, Mary possesses. And what I'm talking about, and I looked it up, they're closed. Uh, but do you remember when we met at Cafe Chloe years yeah. ago? Yes. So there's another SBA Titan that I will hopefully have on this podcast in the future. His name is Steve Black. And when I was at Torrey Pines Bank, I would filter SBA 504 loans to him. And I remember he said, Ryan, go meet with Mary. She'll tell you everything you need to know. So now talk to people out there who maybe are in banking and they're thinking about making SBA or commercial lending in, in general their career, talk about your soft skills of how you've really served. And like I said, raised up an entire generation of young finance and real estate professionals, because I see on LinkedIn, you're always saying congratulations to somebody, which means you have that relationship. And the first phone call of many real estate brokers in San Diego is going to go directly to Mary Adams. Talk about how you serve the community and then how that service turns into gaining trust of that community, and then that turns into business for you and your employer? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I'm so glad to feel like I taught you SBA, Ryan. That's great. Yeah, you know, that's something I really love to do is mentor people. Um, and and I think it's, it's a very exciting thing to see younger people kind of getting in the business and getting their feet wet. And it's, there's a lot to learn. And so, you know, SBA, I know it can be a, a relatively complex form of real estate lending. And so I try to make it easy and I want to make sure that everybody knows I'm always available for questions. So what I offer to, you know, bankers and, and young brokers too is, you know, listen to me when, when I, when you refer me to one of your clients, hop on the phone with us. You know, be a silent fly on the wall and listen to what I say and the questions that come from the borrower, too, which are always so insightful and that open up completely different lines of conversation. And it's it's such an important thing to know about um, in banking and in brokerage in order to make sure that your client is um, aware of the program and 
understanding um, how it works and getting the best deal. You know, um, that's really important to me too. You know, it, this program should be a win-win-win. It should be a win for the borrower. They should be getting, you know, the very best fixed rates that they can qualify for for the longest fixed period that they can. It should be a win for the commercial real estate broker who, you know, is making a sale that maybe they wouldn't have made because it, the borrower didn't have 25% to put down, um, or maybe didn't have the cash flow or the strong credit, or maybe had a personal history issue in their background that, you know, all of those things are great for SBA. Uh, projection-based deals, you know, all that stuff that might be hard for a conventional bank loan. And then it's a win for us because, you know, that's what it's all about is helping people. At the end of the day, this job is so rewarding. There's so many people who don't know that they can qualify to fix their rates, to own real estate, to lock in their overhead costs for a long period of time. And so all of that just culminates into this, you know, just wonderful process and, and um, finish line. It's exuberant. You know, you come to the finish line and, and something closes and you're, you're like, yes, we did it, you know, and everybody is excited. So I want everybody to walk away with that feeling, you know, that, that they won. And, and, you know, it's apparent with you, Mary, even now, the way you're talking, when you're working with a business owner, when you're working even with the young, uh, like you said, banker or broker, it's a win-win-win. And what I see here is that you're not just pushing paper across the finish line, but you're invested in all of the people, right? The business owner, the banker, the broker, uh, you're invested in all of them. And, you know, that brings me really to my next question, which is, Mary, how have you done it? How have you entrenched yourself in this industry, built up such a wonderful brand name? So I'm just going to say, obviously, in San Diego, I know that you're a name brand probably in Orange County, Los Angeles, over uh, the entire, what I would say is Southwest United States and maybe beyond. But how have you done that? And how have you continued to do that for so long? I didn't certainly didn't intend to, you know, start working at CDC and, and kind of become that. But I think um, I just really love what I do, honestly. You know, I really, really, I, I wake up every day excited about what I do, I'm proud of what I do. I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, I help, you know, so many business owners. And I, you know, I think something that um, I'm almost obsessively, you probably know this, Ryan, I'm obsessively responsive. Mm -hmm. So I have been in the shoes of being a, a banker and having questions and not understanding the program or the rule and needing to be able to convey that to either a real estate broker or a borrower, a potential buyer. And it's time sensitive. It's a big deal, you know, to, to have a question and not know the answer and not be able to convey that information in a timely manner. And so that's always been something I strive to do is to call people back as quickly as possible, respond to everything as quickly as possible, even if I don't know the answer and I have to do research on it, just to let them know I got your message. This is more complicated than you think it is. Let me let me find out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody is as helpful as they could be in our industry and just in general. Right. But Mary, I could tell you that you have been that way. Even when I was younger, I can remember coming back and telling my wife, well, I met with Mary Adams. She's the expert. And she didn't treat me like I didn't know what I was doing. She explained it to me. She helped me. And really what that does for especially young bankers they're so afraid to make a mistake because they're trying to build up their own reputation. 
And if they're new to 504 financing, because for example, the bank says they do it and then they have an opportunity. And so they're thrown into the fire, but they don't really know what they're doing. I found that they can come to you. You provide all the information. Like you said, you're very responsive. Mm -hmm. And not only does it give the banker confidence, but it also ultimately helps the business owner, makes it a smoother transaction, and then they can get to the finish line. My last question for you is, and hey, we don't have crystal balls, but I'm going to ask you, what do you think is the future for SBA 504 financing? You've already mentioned that there have been some changes, which are a positive for borrowers. What do you think is the future of 504 financing based on your experience, based on where we are as a country right now? We're all interested in hearing. Yeah, I think that 504 is just up and coming. I think there's a real focus on streamlining it. Uh, the government's very focused on it. You know, it's a program that um, a lot of people don't realize, but it's a, it meets policy goals. So there's a, I think there's 26 policy goals, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, some of, some of the markets that it serves, low to moderate income, you know, minority-owned businesses, labor surplus areas, you know, all of those things check boxes for this program, veterans. And so there's a big focus on, on that within the government as well, of, you know, trying to provide financing to areas that may be impacted by not being able to get good financing uh, at, at low rates. And the focus right now for the government is making this streamlined I think with rates going up, um, you know, that, that's a hard uh, thing for everybody across the board. You know, it's hard to see interest rates go up. And there's a generation of people who've never seen rates this high before. I, I can remember, you know, closing these loans 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and, and people were so excited to get eight and a half percent, you know, fixed. Yes, it was only eight and a half, <laughs> you know, it's lower than market. But that's not where we're at right now. We're on, you know, we're on the upswing. And so I think, um, you know, 504 is going to be something that keeps people's payments fixed and at a lower rate than the other loan programs. It doesn't have a balloon on the second trustee. Uh, you know, the bank loans are all different, but the, the SBA portion has no balloons. And so it's stable. And so if you're a business owner and you're signing a new lease at 25 or 30 percent more than what you signed it four or five years ago, you know, and you want to buy your real estate and you're concerned about the increases in costs, th this is a great program to go with. So I think overall, you know, it's a mission based program. You know, the mission is to help businesses grow. That's the mission. Great. Well, I, I lied. I have one more question, um, <laughs> but it's your fault because you brought it to my mind. And, and it is something that I wanted you to explain uh, as specifically and as detailed as you can, because I've run into this. I know you've run into this. Explain to those who, for example, have a 504 right now. So they have a first and a second or they're buying a building and they're considering the 504 program. Explain the payoff process. <laughs> and if they even want to do it, but, but can you do that for the audience yeah. just so they know what it is and how they do it? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I'd like to say that if you do buy a building and you get a 504 and there's two loans, right? The first and the second, you can always refinance that first trustee and that CDC or the SBA will resubordinate behind a new first trustee lender assuming no cash is taken out. No, you can't take cash out on that first. 
So what, what that means for a, a business owner getting into a commercial loan right now, let's say your rate is, I don't know, 7% on a, you know, on a, at a bank, on the bank portion, you can refinance that if rates go down. So I, I always tell people, be less concerned about that, what, what program you get, what loan you go with, what interest rate is, because that can always be refinanced out of. Yes, the prepayment, the paying, paying off a of 504 is complex. So the 504 loan is actually not a mortgage loan, but it's a bond. And the bond is sold once a month on the bond market. It's collateralized bond. And it's invested in by investors like pension funds, insurance companies, and, and entities of that nature. And then really, there's this, we make the payment for you every six months. So when you, as a borrower, you know, pay your loan each month, you'll pay a monthly and to you, it'll be somewhat invisible, but technically we're really like escrowing that payment and then making it to the investors on your behalf once every six months. So what that means for you as a borrower is that there's two times a year, once every six months that we make a payment. And right before that payment's made is the best time to pay that 504 loan off. If you wait until like a month after we make that payment, you really technically owe another five or six months of interest and principal. So it's not just interest, it's principal too. So what I always tell people is, you know, if you're going to pay the, first of all, this is a long-term loan play. This isn't something you want to do for, you know, uh, speculating for a couple of years or anything like that. But um, long-term play, if let's say 10 years, eight years down the road, you decide to sell your building, the minute you start thinking about selling your building or refinancing the whole thing, whatever it is, you want to call our servicing group or whatever CDC is servicing your loan. You pick up the phone, you call the servicing team, and the question to ask is, when is the best time to pay off my loan? <laughs> because they'll be able to tell you and they'll give you a whole schedule. Wonderful. Well, Mary, thank you so much for being here on the SBA Titan podcast. You're definitely somebody within SBA that I would say is the best and brightest that the SBA has to offer. Thank you for all the service to the business owners, the bankers, the real estate brokers out there uh, for what you've done for them and what you're going to continue to do in the future. Have a great rest of the day, Mary. You too, Ryan. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on the SBA Titan podcast. We sincerely hope you've been inspired by the stories of our amazing guests. The SBA Titan podcast is produced and hosted by Ryan Smith, principal and founder of Think SBA. Think SBA is a nationwide SBA 504 and 7A loan brokerage serving small business owners and entrepreneurs. Please visit sbatitan.com for more episodes, to nominate future guests, or to discover how you can make a career serving small business owners through the SBA loan program. Have a great day.